Welcome back to Counting on Grace, Chapter 13, Ropes. We're trying to keep it a secret, but we're tying Pepe to the bed now. In the beginning, he batted Papa's hands away and spat at the ropes, but my mare gave him some kind of mixture of herbs those first few days that made him quiet. Then he seemed to get used to it. Now he sleeps most of the time. Papa comes home at the dinner break to get him up and feed him something. If the weather is good, Papa sets him in the chair outside our front door for a while, so Pepe can turn his face up to the sun. We told Madame Boucher that Pepe is much better, and we don't need her to look in no more. But Henry knows to lock the door when he leaves for school, so the portly Madame don't poke her nose into our business anyway. It ain't right for Pepe to be tied down like that. I remember him telling me how much he hated the work inside the mill because he felt so cooped up. One time, the circus come through our town on its way south. It didn't stop because there's no money to be made in a little posted stamp of a town where the mill workers put all their extra pennies in the church basket. But I remember seeing the lion curled up on his side, staring through the bars of his cage as it bumped along the main street of the town behind a wagon. His fur was matted, and in some places, the bare skin showed through in patches. He didn't even move or lift his head when Dougie and Thomas threw pebbles at him. Pepe used to be as strong as that lion, and now he lies still and stares at the wall as if he can see right through it. I want the old Pepe to come back to us. When his eyes are open, they never blink. I still read La Jusiste to him Wednesday nights, and I talk to him all the time when I'm home. For once, my mare don't hush me up. Maybe she's glad someone is talking to him. Ever since the night she slapped his face, it's hard for her to look at him. I can't tell if he hears me. Sometimes he hums, sometimes he mumbles deep in his throat, but whenever I squeeze his hard, bony hand, he squeezes back. Sunday morning, I wake up choking. Delia shakes me. What's wrong with you? My throat is swollen shut. I croak. I was dreaming that all the lint I'd swallowed had come crawling back up from my stomach. Don't be stupid, says Delia. She puts a hand to my forehead and calls to Mamere that I have a fever. Mamere is late for mass already when she comes in to have a look at me. You can stay home, Grace. The good Lord understands that we need you doffing tomorrow more than praying today. But she says this in a low voice so that my father don't hear. You can let your Pepe up to sit in the sun. When he woke up earlier, he was making sense, just like his old self, she adds, talking more to the air than to me. I nod, and when she leaves, I let my pounding head fall back on the mattress. I sleep and wake again to a cry from Pepe. He is struggling up, fighting the ropes, but when he sees me, he calms down. I'm here, Pepe, I say, taking his hand. I'm here. I see you, mon petit oiseau, he says. He's speaking clearly and calling me his little bird again. You look well this morning, I say. My voice sounds thick. 
And you do not, my little Grace, he says. Maybe whatever sickness he has, has passed to me. Delia says I have a fever, I tell him. Your hand is warm. Let me up. Are you strong enough, Pepe? I ask. He looks sternly at me. Grace, I am your Pepe. Now let me up. I will pick the root vegetables from the garden and make you a healing broth. My old Pepe is back again. He will spoon warm soup between my lips and put a cold rag on my head to stop the pounding. The world has turned again so things are as they should be. I'm just a girl sick with a fever, and he is my grandfather, the one who's always taken care of me. My fingers are used to piecing up fine strands of cotton yarn. They struggle with the thick ropes. Then they stop. Pepe, it's June. Henry started the planting just two weeks ago. There's no vegetables in the garden yet. He looks confused for a minute, as if he's thinking this problem over. June, he says. Radish soup. He used to make me radish soup when I was little with the green radish tops dropped into the water at the last minute. My fingers start working through the knots again. Pepe is acting like his old self. Won't Mamere be happy? His legs start to slip out from under him the first time he tries to stand. He puts a hand on my shoulder, and I almost crumple under his full weight. He grabs the doorknob, straightens, sways, tests one foot, then the other. Stiff, he says. Then he turns back to me. Back to bed with you. I shall go out to pick the radishes. This worries me. He ain't been outside in days, and only then to sit on the chair in the sun with Papa watching him. No, Pepe, I'll go to the garden. You boil the water. He looks at me again, thinking through this new idea, and I almost laugh out loud at the pair of us. My throat stuffed as fat as an uncooked sausage and his old legs creaking their way around our kitchen while his brain tries to sort out my words. We're not much good for each other, are we? But Pepe is talking to me and making sense again. That's all I care about. You're right, he says. You dig up the radishes and I shall boil the water for soup. When I see he's able to lift the dipper from the pail Henry brought in from the pump, I head out the back door to the garden. He calls once more to me. Grace, he says, tell your mother it's time for me to go. You give your mother that message from me. He's talking about Canada again. But Pepe, she'll be home from mass soon, I say. You can tell her yourself. Yes, he says, and he stares at me hard as if he's trying to hold on to the idea of who I am. Get the radishes, then. I'm dizzy myself, especially when I lift my head too quickly from rooting around in the ground. I think of all the days I've ached to be outside the mill, but this morning the sun on my back feels like a heavy package I have to carry. The radish plants way off in the north corner are puny-looking little things, but the greens will be good. On the way back down the row, I break off some early shoots of lettuce, 
one or two from each plant, the way Pepe has always learned me. Two for eating, three for growing, he says. When I don't see him by the stove, I think he must have gone to rest in the other room. I take care to pile our small small store of June vegetables neatly on the kitchen table, where he can reach them easily. My mare will not like the mud on the tablecloth, so I must remember to clean that off. I slump into the seat, everything aching from the short trip to the garden and back. Pepe, the radishes are small, but they'll do, I say, my head down on my hands. He don't answer. How can he possibly hear me when my lips are pressed against the scratchy wooden planks of the table? Pepe, I say louder. Is the water boiling? I stumble to my feet again. He's not resting in my room or on his bed in the corner. Pepe is not in the house. Oh, please, Pepe, don't be gone away. Not now. Not when I am supposed to be watching you. Don't give Mamere no more reasons to be angry with me. I remember it is June and it is a Sunday. Pepe always went fishing on summer Sundays. That's where he has gone, down to the river. I can bring him back before Mass lets out. I can have him tucked right into bed by the time they come up the hill. If only my legs would move more quickly and that shuttle pounding away in my head would stop slapping back and forth.